Welcome back for part three with this session of uh, Sean and Kyle talk about things <laughs> as a little mini pod of the Force Fed Sci-Fi podcast. We are welcoming back you. I am one of your co-hosts, Sean Michael Culp, and along with me is my brother, Kyle Jordan Culp, as your other co-host today. Boom, shakalaka. We are back for part three. I know we first did a Star Wars one And then we talked about Black Widow and kind of Marvel. And now we are here to discuss uh, uh, Dune and Eternals because we saw Eternals. Yep, Uh, we saw Eternals yesterday and Dune, you know, we've both seen on multiple occasions. And uh, don't worry, we will, before we get into anything, Sean will happily give a nice uh, warning for spoilers. Sure, spoilers, spoilers for anyone out there that um, is... uh, you know, haven't seen the movie. If you want to know like our ratings, just fast forward to the end and we'll talk a little bit about, we'll give our ratings um, so you can check it out or just wait, view it on your own and then revisit this podcast or check out our other episodes that we got. So that's a spoiler. So before we jump in, I will give a little, I guess, a synopsis about Dune. <laughs> so Dune is... Uh, just came out. It's directed by Dennis Vill- <laughs> whatever the heck his last name is. I'm not uh, that guy. This is a remake of the, uh, well, it's kind of like an adaptation, a remake-esque of David Lynch's 1984 Dune film. Then there was a 2000 John Harrison's miniseries. And um, then the book, obviously, that came out by Frank Herbert. So this series... Um, Came out October 21st, right? Pretty recently. And basically, if I can get a little Dune synopsis here. So Dune, it's basically about this guy named Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding, must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, spice, only those who can conquer their own fear will survive. Ooh. And I will thank the internet for that synopsis. <laughs> so, Sean, what's your first impressions? Go. Let me gosh. let me have it. Let let me hear it. I know because we're this is one where Sean and I won't be like Star Wars and. Uh, Black Widow, we do kind of have slightly different takes on how we felt about it. Um, mm-hmm. I am one that has not seen the originals. Me either. Okay. I haven't. Just, have you read the books at all? Nope. Or, nope. I, I went into this knowing nothing outside of what the trailer told Same. me. Same. All right. So, Sean, first impressions? What Wait, do you think? First impressions. So, like you, I knew nothing. I went in blank slate. <laughs> I hated it <laughs> initially. <laughs> I tried. So, I've tried to watch it four times. First time I was with a friend and her child was kind of like distracting. And uh, so I was kind of like, ah, and the volume was low. So then I tried rewatching it and I fell asleep. Then I tried rewatching it again and I fell asleep. And then for the fourth time, I was like, fourth time's a charm. I fell asleep. So <laughs> I have seen the movie though, by and by, four times through. And it is just to me. The slowest piece of freaking filmmaking I've ever seen in my entire life. Holy crap. Now, director, this guy, he made Blade Runner 2049. Have you seen that? I have not seen that one. Have you seen the original Blade uh, Runner? I think I did, but it was a long time ago. Okay. The one, it was with uh, with Harrison Ford in both of them, right? Yes. Okay, I, I think I saw the original. And Ryan Gosling is in the, uh, the second one. Okay. And like Jared Leto. So... Blade Runner is in and of itself its own unique sci-fi like story. It's very engrossed. It always was kind of a slower moving, slower pace, but it's very about world building and detective-y. And the second one was very slow, but it was it was beautiful. And so with him knowing that, I was like, all right, this guy made Arrival, you know, Blade Runner. Okay, it's going to be good. It was just so darn slow for me. I, I just, I could not, um, I just found myself bored so much. The visuals are incredible, but it just, it wasn't my cup of tea from the worms to the, 
to the battles with like knives and shields and spice controlling everything. Kind of felt a little old school for the year because it takes it's place. It says Game I think it says at the beginning the year is ten thousand one hundred ninety one yeah. or something like that. It's like, like ten thousand. We're, we're eight thousand years in the future and we're still using knives. And like, like spy. And I guess I I guess the, like the story is kind of like. In the book, because I did read the uh, Wikipedia synopsis of the okay. book, so I I read a little bit, um, but apparently, like they got rid of computers over Which, the course uh, of time. And how, decided, would, how would space travel be possible? I mean, I mean, hey, we don't Planet know. We're, that, this is a little over eight thousand one hundred years in the future. Maybe it is. We don't know. It was written in the sixties, baby. All, all this man s- might have taken a ton of drugs. All they <laughs> say is spices used to navigate through. The most through like stars and is the highest form of navigation or whatever through space. So mm-hmm. maybe throwing a little cumin into that engine <laughs> is, is it, it takes you where you want to go. I don't know. What? What? You ain't someone who was messing around like with Doc with the trash in Back to the Future. <laughs> they found a little cayenne no, pepper. <laughs> wow, baby. This thing gets us going. Who would have thought? Found a little cayenne pepper and some cumin. Mixed it together. We got spice. The key to our space intergalactic travels is in the cabinet, baby. Yeah, every, it's, it's in every house. Just know it, people. If you want to go to space, Jeff Bezos ain't, ain't got nothing on you. You can go there with the power of cayenne pepper and cumin <laughs> yeah it was but, just it was it, i feel like for me the worst part about this film is it was so for fans yeah and, and the, very fan servicey yes the lack very. of title crawl the lack of letting us know the scenery the environment the like the rules of the environment really threw me for a loop how about you so Again, I had I hadn't even I've not even read the Wikipedia, nothing. So my first impression when I saw it is I thought it was actually pretty good. Um as I have said to Sean, we talked a little bit before the show. Um, I did feel like it was kind of a roller coaster in the terms of it went from being interesting to a lot of nothing happening to a climactic part back down to nothing happening and it just kept doing that the entire movie like when you when it starts i mean you get introduced to you know paul his mom you know um his dad you know the house of atreides and that's really cool like you get to see all that you get to Mm -hmm. see them getting their orders from the emperor and the atreides are essentially like the most powerful warriors is what it's shown because like Mm -hmm. they go there and they're like, he even says, what does he say? Like, there's no call. The house of Atreides will not answer. No duty we won't do or something like that. Like they're very, like you can tell they're very honorable and very like military based. And I mean the, the universe, cause it's shown later in the movie that, um, um, I can't remember their name. The harvesters that mm-hmm. were there that got kicked off the planet by the emperor, uh, Dave um, Batista. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 him and, and his uh, his uncle, his uncle who is uh, the Baron. Yes, the who's Baron. Like who's like a mob boss. Who's the bro- guy, who, I think is the brother of the emperor or something like that. Potentially, I don't know because it, it's never said. <laughs> no, but um, you know they even fear Duncan, who is played by Jason Momoa, mm-hmm. who is pretty much introduced as like the greatest fighter of the Atreides, and he is also the mentor and trainer of Paul, the, our main character, mm-hmm. you know, our protagonist. So it's like you get introduced to him, and you're like, okay, and you know they got a little witty banter and stuff like that, and he gets sent off, and you know you like him, and then like the kid, you, yeah. you you like Paul, you like Jason Momoa's character, you get introduced to Josh Brolin's character, who is kind of like the second to um duncan yeah i can't i can't remember josh brolin's character so josh brolin here we'll give you some yeah names. i was about to say so, what is his name timothy chalamet is paul the kid he's the okay. heir of the house of atreides and there's rebecca ferguson she's lady jessica yes i oscar isaac who's the duke oh, leto atreides josh brolin is gurney halleck he's the weapons master of the house of atreides and paul's mentor yep stellan skarsgård is the baron house of he's the enemy of the house of atreides then batista's the baron's nephew and i think that's really all we need to really know oh yeah. wait and then momoa is duncan idaho the sword master of a house of atreides yeah so yeah. like duncan in um okay, i already forgot josh brolin's mm-hmm. character and jason moe's character are known gurney, as gurney i think gurney yeah. and duncan okay. what a name 
Yeah, right, Gurney. Like, <laughs> that's a place in Illinois, but that's fine. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like they're introduced as like two of the most powerful people like on this planet. So you're like, okay. Yeah. And you get great characters. This is all in like the first like what 20, 30 minutes. You get introduced to all these characters, these themes. It's like really the good. The voice, yeah. But then after the first like 20, 30 minutes, it kind of just levels out into nothing. Like, I mean, it kind of starts to drag. Yeah, well, even the exposition, because it's like this whole film seems like exposition. Yeah. It's like setting up this big battle that's supposed to take part in part two. And like even the rules, like instead of telling us the rules, they show us. Like when um, Paul battles Gurney, like they show the shields, because I guess when they fight, they use swords, and then all the people have like a, a force field that goes around their body. Yeah, it's kind of like, I think it's something on like the wrist or the yeah. hand. They turn it on, and it kind of like can stop damage, but it's like... You could still I, pierce it I don't, yeah, and it hit like, the body. It like turns explained. red. It might be explained in the book I, if it's like, is it just enough damage to the shield or to one spot or a sharp <laughs> enough object? Because and it, and it's weird, because there's a bug that flies through well, that... The, the Hunter Seekers are one of the cool things. That's where it's kind of futuristic because the Hunter Seekers are kind of like, they look like tacks or okay. like uh, uh, tops, like spinning tops, mm-hmm. except one side is way longer and it's kind of like a really sharp needle and they get shot, to my understanding from watching it twice, they get shot at such a high speed and they have such piercing, they like will slowly pierce through the force field and inevitably like kill you unless you are like quick enough to stop them. Yeah, but like, but Paul's able to like avoid one by slowing down time and space. I I, I, don't, I didn't understand that because he sees it and it's just there. Is that and then the he, voice? And like, then he grabs it or something out of the air, and I was like, huh? I have um, no idea. The voice. Uh, talk a little about that. I have no idea what the hell the voice is. <laughs> I, I saw it's like you meet Paul and he's like sitting at a table with his mom like far away. Because it's like a movie and they just like... Take the cup of water. Yeah, and she's like, take the cup of water. And he's like, all right, pass me the water. She's like, no, use the voice. Make me give you the water. So then like you just hear all of a sudden, bah! because Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer or whatever the heck, the who's the... Uh, the uh, Hans Zimmer is the music guy. So, all, you know, this is like a Christopher Nolan film with a, blah, the blaring soundtrack. So The bass is up to 100. Oh, my God. And it's great. It's beautiful, but it's just so repetitive with the soundtrack. And he, so all of a sudden you just hear like his voice. He's like, give me the water. <laughs> and it's like telekinesis. Yeah, and it has the power to like and control like, people. Like yeah. it's like a form of mind control yeah. that can work on anyone and like, but when Paul does do it too. Yeah, exactly. It's like a she thing that's only in women, but somehow Paul has it. Yeah, because there's like this hooded, black hooded species of women that like the mom's part of, and some sisterhood that doesn't get explained. You just see them. They look. They're like a sisterhood of witches or something like that. Yeah, and they, they have this power. And it's, as I told Sean earlier, they they're only allowed to have this power in women. But then the mom later on in the movie gets like criticized by the leader or supposed leader that we meet yeah. of the house for having a son. So my question is, do the, in, in the year 10,191, can they control what gender their baby is going to be? I don't know. Like It's like it's she, the mom's like the reverend mother in the emperor's truth. Sir. I did this just so much. It, like, it, 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 that did not make sense to me. I'll be honest. And then the whole like oh, when um, she made then, like, controls the world. What was it? Paul gets tested later before they leave the oh, planet. Yeah. So after they receive their emperor, their orders from the emperor to go claim the planet that the spice is on, which why is there only one planet with spice if it's the most valuable resource? Because Frank Herbert said so. Yeah, and it's like I said to you, is it a renewable resource? Does it just come back naturally? I don't know. Or is there a finite amount? <laughs> like the planet? Yeah. I don't know. So it, is that's the never, sand? it's never explained. I don't know. But um, yeah, like Paul has to get tested by the lady by putting his hand in a box that she said, <laughs> and he says, what's in the box? Pain. <laughs> I was like, "What is that? What is there? A couple of tacks in there that he's got to set his hand What's on? What's in the box? Pain. The and box. Then, and then she threatens to kill him. She's holding a poison needle to his neck. It yep. says it'll cause instant death if you take your hand out. Yep. So I'm like, 
what? And then the mom is told to stand guard of the door. They're like testing the voice or something. Testing his like mind? His, his self-control to see if he's going to like lose it because Paul's supposed to be this like super <laughs> erratic, like emotional teenager. John, he's the reincarnate of Jesus. Come on, be, be honest. <laughs> he basically is. He, is. he is Jesus Christ that has come to save the spice people. All right, Sean, let's stop cutting to the chase. He is what is known as what we said in the first podcast, the Gary Stew. He is the Gary Stew. I, he is I the, will, Paul is the ultimate Gary Stew. I will criticize this movie for making a Gary Stew because Paul can do no wrong and he does no wrong. Any scenario that he gets in, he gets out of and it's He's perfect. It, he 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 never does anything wrong. And even when him and his mom get captured. Yeah, but they, like the mom saves him. But so so like what happens? They he passed the test then like he pulls his hand out and then the they lady go to the scoffs and she's like yeah he passed but you know now he's your problem you have to watch over him. Yeah, but like, but what? but the lady though all right so they land right the father Isaac Hayes the duke they land on the planet right because yep. they kicked off Dave Batista and the bear and the villains off the planet even though they've been in control for 80 years. And they've been harvesting the spice for like yes. almost 100 years. And that's like their job kind of. And you can only harvest at night because the sun is so hot and it's so hot in the desert you can die. But then there's like <laughs> there's scavengers on the planet where what's her face? Uh you talking about um uh Z- Zendaya? Z- Zendaya? Zendaya. So Zendaya from Spider-Man. From Spider-Man has been like a young French woman. Paul's love interest. As uh, Chani, Chani, I don't even know the names. She, but she, she was marketed the dream. hell out of this freaking film well, in the she, trailer, and she, she is in it for like ten minutes. She is shown in Paul's dreams because he has like premonitions too that he needs to go there, and he like foresees Duncan's <laughs> death, and he foresees all this stuff that's he, he gonna like happen. He sees both. He's able to like tell the future but he sees both sides. He either yeah. like sees him like winning or dying, and then like Duncan either joining. The Harvengers or like dying. Die. He always like sees he, both sides. So it's like you never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. And like Which he, is cool. He sees the success of like Atreides and stuff like that, but then he also sees himself going to war and him leading the highest form of Atreides soldiers and yeah. like a fight and killing people and he is doing it. But then at the same time, he sees the entire kingdom burning down. So then he's like doesn't know what to think because he's like, Why am I seeing both of these? It's just which is cool, I guess. I but, don't know. Ugh, it just... And it, then everyone has blue eyes, the harvesters. Well, if you're, if, you're, if you're exposed enough to spice, your eyes turn blue. Your eyes turn blue. Why? And that's like for the Zendaya chick or Zendaya. whatever. Zendaya. whatever the hell her name is. She, um... Yeah, they just kept, like, showing her. Like, doing... He kept having dreams of her, making out with her, and then dying from her. It's just... I don't know. But long story short, right, they, they get under attack. Well, so, so they get there and, you know, they're trying to like figure everything out. And when like this, that's when it got cool. When they get there and they're learning about the planet, learning about the harvesters, (laughs) learning about all that. I enjoyed because like, see the worm, you get to see like the Duke and like Paul and, um, Gurney, you get to see all of them like fly these new ships. You get Mm -hmm. to see them reunite with Duncan and all this stuff. You get to see all that. You get to meet the leader of the, um... What are they called? The not the scavenger. I mean the 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 yeah, sand people that Javier dunk. Bardem. Yeah, you get yeah. to meet them, and he's like, you know, they're very honorable people. Screw you! He yeah. spits on the ground, and then Duncan's like, "We graciously accept your gift of moisture in this trying times," and then they all spit on the table. Like what? I was like, "All right, I like it," but like, I don't know. You get to like, you get introduced to like all these different like mechanics all like the stuff so in there like it's pretty cool like yeah you get, they get to they go out and see how the harvesters work and see a sandworm but then you get the climactic part of one of the anchors on the uh what do they call them the things that pick up the harvesters yeah you get to see one of them malfunction and them have to rescue everyone off the harvester because the sandworms come in paul has to come to everyone. jesus staring at the harvester <laughs> because he has an allergic reaction to the spice and then, like, they become under attack. There's an assassination attempt on yeah, the dude. Well, yeah, and then the... By the, the doctor sells him out. Yep, because his wife is being held captive by the Baron. <laughs> so he sells out his entire country and his people for his wife. <sighs> 
from a guy that is essentially <laughs> Al Capone yeah. in space yeah. <laughs> and believes him. That bathes and, in what looks like to be soy sauce and oil, but it's actually blood yeah. from like uh, that the is, warriors that don't meet the test. They and it's like up, has healing and regenerative yeah. uh, pop properties. But like you get to see um, the Duke get murdered, which that did kind of suck. I'm not going to lie because I liked him, but he was only in the movie for the first like 25 minutes. Yeah. He gets murdered and the hunter seeker goes Ten through his shield. Time. Yeah. So then you get to see him. The doctor then gets insurance on him and gives him a fake tooth that has gas that can fill a room kill instantly everyone. and kill everyone with, as he tries to assassinate the Baron with it. And then the doctor dies because the Baron's like, ah, I'll let you join your wife. And in death. And then death. kills him. <laughs> and chops his head off. And then the freaking, uh, then the Oscar Isaac, he breaks a tooth. And then everyone dies in the room except the Baron. Because for some reason he can like fly and he was like in the ceiling. Yeah. And I just, I didn't understand that. Like it didn't get said because he just looked like this fat bald guy. Looked like a slug. Yeah. yeah and then, and then you see him, he's like sitting up on the wall, like looks like a, like a deformed Tempur-Pedic <laughs> pillow. <laughs> and then he gets healed somehow. And yeah. Dave Batista gets all mad. He's like, I can't believe they would do this. <laughs> Dave Batista was so underutilized. I don't, in I don't understand. Yeah, I didn't get why he was <laughs> there. Scenes. Like he seemed like the leader. Outside of the trailers of the to get people in this in butts in seats. Well, that is why Dave Batista was in this film. They're That's setting him up for the future because he's yep. probably. I guarantee the Baron will butts die and, and Dave Batista will take over. Yep, or he, something, so, something, maybe yeah. a big battle. Because he was I, in the movie two scenes, yeah, three scenes. Like, I, the, I I wanted to see more of him because he seemed like the leader yeah. of like the ground forces, and then. You see him in like two throwaway scenes of like, why are we doing this, Uncle? He's like, we fought for this. This is our world for so long. How could the Emperor do this? And he just goes, you need to learn how to follow orders and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, kind of throws like a tantrum. But I mean, he's right. He's been leading this group for 80 years. But it doesn't like makes, I guess like the Emperor like got Atreides there. The House of Atreides took over the planet, but then they wanted to kill the House of Atreides. Because they're too powerful. They are the most, some of the most powerful warriors. Oh, but then, but then the Baron even says with Dave Batista, that's why they attacked because they even say they have Duncan and Gurney, the the powerful swordsmen and all this stuff. And they're scared of them because they're like the strongest fighters out there. But he, they even say, they're like, but what is what is the greatest swordsman against, you know, being outnumbered? And that's why they send like four legions or three legions. So yeah. they outnumber them like 20 to one. So then that's why they have all those ships come and attack, which and, yeah, which was a cool scene. I mean, seeing the attack happen, I'll give it props. It, it did seem pretty cool. Momoa dies. Well, that was later, but... Remember first in the in the first fight where they're bombing no. and then Josh Brolin like runs out onto the like the tarmac and all the soldiers those nameless faceless soldiers all running out with their knives. Yeah, and then, because like, they just use knives. Yeah, and, or swords. I guess they're like they're like in between a sword and a knife. But then like you don't know if Josh Brolin dies. Like Gurney, you just see him like blow up yeah. all on like the tarmac, like about to fight head to head. This huge clash that you think is gonna be awesome, and you just see him say scream like with me. All of them run. As soon as they stab the first guy, you see an explosion, and then they're never seen again. And you're like, what happened? <laughs> yes. Are they dead? Momoa dies then Ugh. trying to save his that one was sad. apprentice mentee, Paul, which the battle, I, I disagree. I felt it was the most anticlimactic, long, drawn-out, stupid. It was just, to me, because not only it was like, they look at the door. I, I mean, it just, well, and that's where, well, we'll, I will, we'll talk about it after we finish discussing because Momoa dies and then the Paul and his mom escape. They fly a ship. They use the voice to take over the guys in the ship. So well, because they get captured. They get captured, but then they use, the mom uses the voice to like throw the guys out of the ship. And then they hit the sandstorm, oh. which is the longest sandstorm that I've ever seen in my life. And it's taken the longest ship crash I've ever seen in my life. It's like 10 minutes. Of them just spiraling down. I was like, oh my God. And missiles tracing them into the sandstorm. The movie Flight, which is about the crash, and Denzel Washington was shorter than this crash. It was just. But like, yeah, then they. they mean, the Harbingers. They crash, and no, and the mom and Paul do not get hurt after being in a sandstorm, (laughs) having a missiles blow up around them, losing two of their wings of their like six wings on their like mosquito ships, which were pretty cool. Jesus. And like, they just land. After like crashing, 
the ship's still intact mostly, and there's no scratches, bruises, bleeding, nothing. nothing. So like, what kind of airbags are in these things, Sean? <laughs> That's my question. Who created the airbags? <laughs> they don't have computers anymore. Yeah, true. But so. airbags, man. I, I guess, man. I don't know how. No idea. Because that was a gripe for me. I was just the like. The voice. The voice just protected. Maybe it's the shields. Oh, the yeah. The shields on their oh, armor. Yeah. Just, <laughs> your body can fly against the windshield yeah. at yeah, that's 300 it. miles per hour. Go faster and just get slammed around and nope, no issue. But a, but a little a little sword could just pierce. Jump into you. a hurricane, fly out the top, you'll Whee! be fine. And then just land wherever you land. No damage, right? God. Yeah. But then like after they land there, then they get, they meet the Ravengers and Sean's favorite scene happens then when they the meet dumbest. the Ravengers. So they meet the leader of the Ravengers again, who they met <laughs> earlier and they meet his group with Zendaya and yep. like all these other guys and they try to like kill Paul and the mom but then like you know the mom ends up taking one of them and like is about to kill him and like Paul is about to like get on the hill he steals a gun he's about to shoot him but then Zendaya's right there and she's like pretty much threatens him like if you shoot anyone I'll kill you so then they finally get allowed to like Ugh. talk to the group and then Sean's favorite scene happens in the entire movie Sean what happens after they all meet and are in a circle, a little powwow. What happened, Sean? Well, <laughs> I have no idea. Javier <laughs> Bardem. <laughs> I don't even know, man. What Frank had to have been high when he wrote this book because freaking Javier Bardem's the leader, and then this black dude's like the greatest warrior of them. And who then, Duncan respects. Who and Duncan, Duncan is like the best warrior. And then Paul, the dude's like... There cannot be another. There cannot be two of us. Or, 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 or he wants to fight Paul for some reason because they realize Paul's Jesus Christ and he's going to save them. But then the black dude's like, you have to do a test. You have to have a trial by combat. Trial by combat won. and to kill me. And they're like, well, he's the greatest warrior and like combat guy. So then Paul like fights this dude and he beats him easily. And, and under him, like the with, whole fight is maybe a minute and and, and a half and it's and the most Paul annoying just fight toying with him like i think paul gets knocked down like twice well he like doesn't want to kill him but then immediately knocks the other guy down and like this is the greatest warrior that even duncan respects and duncan would destroy paul every even time though paul basically got his butt kicked by gurney but yet can beat the greatest warrior the ravagers who is as good as duncan and duncan is better than gurney and and the fight was just to me the most annoying fight of ever. It, so like how I talked about in Black Widow, and I'm like, you know, less is more. This was like less, less. This less was, is less. This was like the most annoying fight ever because not only do you have the director's annoying cinematography where he pans on people and it takes like them five minutes to like make a move. It was like Dragon Ball Z, where they're like, come yeah, where they're just where they're powering up, where they, it's like, long and drawn out. It's so long for them to make sword fighting moves. It made the I've never seen sword fighting be the most boring thing ever. And not only that, but the dude that Paul fights is just yelling the whole time. He's like, rah, rah, rah. and I'm like, oh my god! Not only it, uh, on top of Hans's music, which is like, so, not, so you have this lo long scene with them fighting, slowly swinging at each other. Bah! Well, and ah! and <laughs> until he finally kills him, and it's just like, what? And Sean, the part, the the reason Sean and I hate this, and this is probably our most hated part, is like Paul has him with the knife up to his throat, and oh he literally God. yells, "Yield!" And then uh, the leader of the Ravagers ah! literally goes. There is no yielding, only by death. And then we're just like, come on. So then they fight again for another like 20 seconds. Paul again gets him with his knife to him about to kill him. And he's like, yield. And then he's just like, no. And then the mom looks at the leader and goes, Paul's never killed a man. And then Paul finally ends up killing him. And then they accept him and allow them to travel with them. But I'm just sitting here like after this fight. And then the I, movie ends. I literally said after that fight, I go, so you sacrifice your best warrior who shouldn't have lost, but he was facing Jesus Christ. So, you know, that's why I lost. <laughs> but why would you let your best warrior die just for these two to be with you that you don't trust them at all? I 
But then, yeah, then the movie ends. Then Zendaya and Paul have a little bit of dialogue. They hold And hands. then they start, they hold oh. hands. They start walking through the desert. And then she looks at him and goes, this is just the beginning. And then it pans out. And then, and then the movie ends. And, like, I, I'm i not saying it's a great movie. I'm not even <laughs> saying it's a, like, well-done movie. I will say it's a decent one. I know Sean doesn't like it. I think it was decent, like... It's not like a great watch. It's not something that'd be like, oh my gosh, everyone needs to see it. But it is one that like, I don't know, maybe if you saw the original, you might appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I haven't seen those yet. I've seen cutscenes of David Lynch's and to me, I like it already just because of his set designs and um, the makeup. The makeup for like the Baron, he's got like oozing pus boils on his face like there's a lot of blood and guts and gore and, and why didn't they do that in this one? very 80s-esque um which is what i love it's very old school filmmaking well it's not cgi uh, no well they didn't well there is cgi in it that's really like silly like they have the force fields and they're basically like cubes so it's kind of silly yeah but i'm saying like it's not like everything is no CGI like this movie. this film it's like, like the entire thing come on John, i know screen. you like i know you like the ships they travel in the giant hot dogs oh that's all they are God. they look like they look like giant brat which it, <laughs> yes <laughs> and it's just god this film i for me i tried i really tried watching it like four times because i really wanted to like it i'm like there has to be something wrong with me maybe it's just like I'm like too ADHD for this thing. I tried watching Blade Runner 2049. I'm like, nope, still a pretty good film, just long, and could have cut out probably about an hour of it. This film, they could have cut out an easy hour. I mean, it, it wouldn't change anything. There was for, a lot of throwaway lines and scenes. Throwaway line scenes. He just took so long, like with Duncan's death, like they're the the fortress wherever where they're in is being overwhelmed by the guys, and Duncan, Paul, his mom, and then the black chick, like. They're, I forget her name. Um, well, she's part of the Ravagers. She's and part she's, of the, the Blue Eyes. Yeah. yeah, and she. Well, she's and she's one that helps out House Atreides and like inspects their ship, their yeah. armor. She's like a good guy. Like and they're she, trying and, to escape, and, and, and like they hear the noise, and it's like there's four of them in this room. Cut to the they cut to them. Cut to the door. Bong. Cut from the door to Duncan for five minutes. Duncan's face back to the door, back to the door to the black chick, back to the door, back to the and then to Paul. Paul. They do that to every single like, person. It takes two minutes for the freaking door to open for freaking Duncan to be like, "All right, I'm gonna go fight." And it's like, what? And like, were you just wasted five minutes of my life for them cutting to how many reaction shots do I need? Like you, do, and reaction shots don't need to be twenty sec. That is the problem. This whole film was reaction shots. They could have saved 30 minutes just by cutting down the reaction shots. Yeah. I mean, and, so and see, long. I'm not saying that part is why I like Duncan God. and how Duncan goes out. I'm saying like how I like Duncan goes out is he like pretty much like goes out to the door. He opens it. He sees his buddy fighting. <laughs> That's one of the like powerful ones of like the military of the House of Atreides sure. fighting the the invading form of the special elites of the Barons guys, and he gets killed. And then he like yells his name. He turns around, looks at Paul and his mom who are like two doors away, and he like shuts the door and then like salutes them by putting his sword up and then like Paul <sighs> screams Duncan because he knows Duncan is sacrificing himself and that's where I didn't mind it because you just see you get the badass send-off scene of the greatest warrior of this house mm-hmm. just fighting guys and ends up getting as I said with the problem with Black Widow they send in all the when you have 10 guys in a room in Black Widow they send them in one at a time in this one they, they all they all just start going they're all staggered cuz the door is so thin they can only come in one at a time but as soon as they get in they are charging him it's not like five come in and one goes the other four are just standing there yeah. they all and that's why Duncan loses is because he gets overwhelmed because yes he's the greatest but when you have two swords and you only have two hands and there's four people attacking you at once, you're going to take hits. Very and that's realistic. why Duncan dies, which is why I like that scene. Yes. And then when they're about to get through the door to kill Paul, his mom, and the Ravenger chick, Duncan, who was stabbed through the stomach in his last raw, stands up and like gives like a scream, <laughs> like a war cry, and just starts stabbing everyone and killing them. And then Duncan ends up dying, but yeah. he kills all the guys. But he killed. He sacrificed himself, which is why I was okay with Duncan. Which is because fine. Yeah. He was introduced as 
the 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 big the big guy on campus. He yeah. was introduced as the greatest warrior who was just there to be a mentor, not to be super deep, and to get <laughs> killed off. Which again, my problem I have with this movie too was if Josh Brolin's character Gurney died, along with Duncan dying, along with the Duke dying, like they killed off pretty much any character that was interesting to me. Like mm-hmm. Gurney, I was curious to learn more about because I'm like, okay. Well, he even says, with Duncan gone, I am the new weapons master. So I was like, cool. How is he going to develop? Nope, we think he's dead. Duncan, who is the strongest one, likes the Ravengers, is learning their Mm -hmm. kind, learning from them, likes them. He gets killed off. The Duke, who you learn a little about, but he's a very honorable man. He's a very good leader, has the interest of the people, the interest of the Ravengers. He says, you know, if I want to go into the desert, I will, but I can guarantee I will not hurt you. I will not steal from you. Your areas are yours. And then they even say, that's a very honorable thing. He gets killed off. So all of them die. You're killing off anyone that is established outside of Jesus Christ. See, but I didn't even care because I couldn't care about these characters because they're so boring to me. I was just like, I don't care. (laughs) And it all came back to Paul, Sean. And it all came back to Paul. You liked Paul. Don't you lie to me. I know. (laughs) He's garbage, man. I felt the acting was so wooden. Him and his mom, like. All the acting in this film sucked to me. It was just the most boring, subtle, like, and I like subtle, but when the whole film is long, panning cuts, and it doesn't have to be, and it's just there because stylistic choice. The only character that I really cared about was the Baron. Because Stellar Skarsgård, he just he he was happy to be there. He, w- he was like the emperor in the prequels. I w- he just wanted to cause. I a wanted ruckus. to ask you. So the guy who played the Baron. Now correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. I didn't look it up, but I heard his voice, and that's what made me think. Yeah. About. Did he play um, Bill Turner from Pirates of the Caribbean? Yes, he did. Okay, and I heard the Thor. I heard yeah. the voice, and I'm like, Skarsgård. I know that voice. He's amazing. He's okay. such a great actor. And I just, I, th- I loved him. I thought he was the only good part of the film. Wait, he was in Thor? Who did he play? He played the scientist. Him and uh, Natalie. That's, Portman. oh, no yeah. way. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Skarsgård's great. And he was the only, he was the best part to me. But everyone else hey, but, well, and was then just Batista. boring. Batista, Batista's cool. I love him because he, was, he wasn't fleshed out, though. He Like you said, he was in there for two minutes. He's literally shown as the leader but I, and then gets mad. I believe, though, Gurney isn't dead. So it's like. Which is fine with me. because it's just the king. I, I know you didn't like them, but I personally just thought Duncan and Gurney were just like the fighters. And I'm like, okay, well, if they're wiping out all of House Atreides. Who's going to be there? Because I'm like, if they, if they just have Paul and his mom mm-hmm. join up with the Ravengers or whatever, I was like, so then what was the point of showing anyone from House Atreides outside of just killing them off? Like, there was no purpose. But Two if, like, Duncan and Gurney survive and a couple other people, okay, it doesn't cheapen it that much. Mm-hmm. Then it makes it a little better. But, again, still, like, why kill off the Duke if you're going to have him show that he's, like, for the heart, the Ravengers. He's for his yeah. people. Why show that he is like actually a good leader and show that he's honorable? He's training Paul to be like him and wants like all this just to kill him. Why do that? Well, that, that's a great question. Why? And why it takes an hour 45 to kill him <laughs> off. Yeah. Like literally, it's like 30 minutes set up. They get there another half an hour of just explaining to us the technology. Hey, they get attacked another half an hour. And then another half an hour of them meeting the heart, the Ravengers. And then the, the like and the, movie the whole movie is exposition. Like stuff happens. It's introduction. But it's like for what? <laughs> A big battle for part two? Like, yeah, oh. I, that is a problem I had. That'd be like if you took the first Avengers, but cut out that ending battle with Loki and just make it all be set up for the second movie to be Loki invading Earth. Like, I, it wouldn't have been as good. And I get it. Like, Paul loses and he loses his family and everything. But yeah, he loses me, his dad. He doesn't lose anything. It, it just kills. It just cheapens it all because of the pacing. The pacing is so damn slow. Well, it's like and, I said, it's like a roller coaster. It gets slow and then it gets oh. fast and then it gets slow yeah. and then it gets fast. And then once you, after Duncan's death, the movie goes from being just getting back up to that fast pace to going to a crawl. It's Once Duncan dies and they fly, get into the ship and they get captured, 
That is when it starts to go downhill, and then for the last half hour, it is a crawl because you get the sandstorm, you get the fight with the Ravengers, you get the little, this is just the beginning, and then it ends. Like, But it's like, uh, like dialogue, though, to me, it's just like, the Dave Batista goes and visits the Baron when he's in the pool, the black pool. It's like a three-minute scene. He just shows up, we have to pan over the pool, we have to pan over this, we have to pan over that. A minute of just showing us the area. Yes, I get it. It's like it's like um, environment porn. And then then Dave Batista like says something to him. Thirty seconds go by. The Baron says something. Thirty seconds. It's just like why does it have to take this long to have a conversation? You do, and maybe it's because of Marvel. Like a quick, quick, quick. Uh, but I like I. <laughs> I don't know. Just taking your time with scenes to take time is wasting my time. <laughs> yeah, because I, Sean, it takes me out of it. Did you know this movie got an 82 on Rotten Tomatoes? I do know. And it got an 8.2 out of 10 by IMDb? That's because the only people that saw this film that liked it were Dune fans. And it got an 82 on the tomato meter and a 90 from the audience. I'm sure film. if I smoked weed... If I was like high <laughs> or and, drunk, uh, not one. even if I was high and I saw this film, I'm sure I would have loved it because it would have slowed everything down and it would have been like, whoa, man. But like just watching this thing, I don't know, it just took too long for me. Too long. But I know Dune fans love it and they swear by it and they say it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's a hard pass. It's hard a hard pass. a hard pass? Hard pass. If I'm going to rate this film, and I will, I don't plan on ever watching it again. <laughs> Sean, Sean I, have, I have a little stats for you here, too. Give I me some stats. That uh, on the movie, they uh, how much did they spend to build this, to make this movie? They spent roughly $165 million. Yep. And box office gross, um, let's see. It's it like, said, I was reading... 300 uh, some million 336 Dune has now grossed uh 69 million in North America and 292 globally as of yep. Halloween. So it's made its money back overseas. Yeah, overseas cuz in in the US it grossed what is that like 40% of what they put into it cuz it grossed 60, about 70 million 70. and they spent 165. Oh, so it may like not even 33%. 50%. Yeah, not even a 50. third. That's because we don't like most people here. The only people that saw it here were people that read the book, I feel like. Or, or watched the that... old movies. Essentially, anyone that is over the age of like 35 probably saw it. And they will probably like it, which yeah. I've talked to two people. But again, it's kind of like Star Wars and what we've talked about. If you don't know any of the source material and you look at it analytically, it's... Which, which uh, I mean, is one of subpar? those where like... Like we were talking about like with... Star Wars, it would have been nice to like know the rules set up and all that. Dune, it would have been great to know the rules. Dune, it would have been great to know the rules. But the problem with Dune is um, we don't know the rules. And they want to show us the rules. But they also don't want to break down the dialogue in layman's terms. So they explain the rules using crazy weird dialogue from the book that we that you have to like just look at it and be like, what the hell are they talking about? And not only that, it moves at a caterpillar pace. Oh, so yes. it's just so you're just like baffled. Whereas they could have easily just given a title crawl, quick, quick, quick. That's quick, what I was gonna quick, say. Establish what it's about. Boom, let's get into business. Like we don't need this the text, whole the, the opening text crawl in Star Wars. Like people, some people I know don't like it. I mean, Star Wars made it iconic. It did, but it does help. Like give us those three paragraphs of just basic text that just sums up. What is going on? What's well, like Eternals? They explained it. Yeah. In Eternals, we got it. You you know, you figured it out. And if you weren't sure, Eternals explained it yeah. very quickly. And we me. and don't worry, we will get to Eternals shortly here, because we're almost done with Dune because we've talked about most <laughs> of the movies. Yeah. The big thing we have left here, which I'm sure you are all dying to know. Sean, how would you rate this movie? I'm never gonna watch this again. I've tried four times, and I'm sorry. It's just like I don't want to waste another three hours of my life <laughs> trying to understand this caterpillar pace movie. So for me, I'm good. I tried. I mean, it's just it's just not there for me. This the filming style is just so arduous. It's just so distracting. It takes forever. That's my lens flare. And then like the red shirts. I mean. They just kill off like the Duke. They kill him off and. 
all those nameless soldiers with Josh Brolin's character on the tarmac. They just kill all them. They just they killed off so many characters, and you didn't really get to know the characters. And all the characters to me in this film were so similar because the you know, and I get it. The setup for the book is it's eighty eight thousand years in the future. We're all supposed to be super stoic people with no emotion. We're able to control ourselves. But the thing is, for films, movies, that's a boring character. Like, characters that emote and are emotional and really edgy and weird and wild, those are like the fun things for me that I like to take away when watching a film. I don't like to watch boring, stoic characters barely emote because they have everything under control. No! Like, like obviously that's the goal, to become Buddha. But when everyone's Buddha... It's not <laughs> the, fun. It's just not fun. That's why Baron's the only cool one because he's like evil and he wants to kill everyone. Yeah. But it's like then Paul is just, he's not that well acted and he's just annoying. Jesus Christ. He's like Hayden Christensen. He's like Anakin in the prequels. He's just obnoxious. So I it's mean, just for, for the actor, for so the role he was given, I mean, he did his role he fine. Tried. I can't, he tried. I can't hate the actor because it's, it's what he was given. Yes. I think it's just what he looks he like. Has, he, he has a classic dumb face. <laughs> He's just what he looks like. He's just too pretty. And yeah, true. They did. I mean, there's not really any dirt or anything on his face ever. No scratches, nothing. They like, it looks like he, every scene just left the makeup trailer. Yeah. Like the mom, the mom changes because in the first quarter, half of the movie, she has like her hair done up, has all this nice makeup, looks very presentable. And then once you get halfway through the movie, she looks like she's like had sand rubbed in her face for the yep. last like 10 minutes, like she's been tortured, her hair's down. So she actually looks like she's been in a sandstorm rest ball. No. He looks like he came out of the makeup trailer. He's perfect all the yeah. time. His hair never misses a beat. So I'm good. Okay. I, I, I didn't care for okay. any of like the cheap shots where they like, tease javier bardem and all these different characters i think it's just the cast was too big too many characters and not enough time too much time wasted well that's what i'm saying things. too much time but not enough time on the characters yeah too much time spent on the i mean visually the movie looked great yeah. i will give a prop like visually just looking at it it looked great but, but it's just the characters for me it was just too sciencey too sci-fi yep too too much, too much fantasy and sci-fi for me to pay attention and like know to keep track of. Understandable. So, I'm good. How okay. about you? Um, having watched this movie fully through twice, like willingly, not <laughs> anything like that. I just, I, I, I will say it is. I don't know if I could say it's a would watch if I saw it on. It's one of those that I might watch periodically every once in a while, like maybe once a year or even longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, when the second and when part two and three come out, I will probably watch those. Can't no, say if I will go see those in theaters. Mm-hmm. Might wait till they come out on like HBO or whatever. Um, but yeah, I would I would put it between would, would like a would watch kind of around there. Okay. Um, wouldn't be one that I'd watch, cons- you know, consecutively or anything like that. Um, if I had to give a red shirt, it would definitely be the uh, best fighter of the Ravengers. That was really dumb. <laughs> uh, why ha- why kill off your your most valuable asset? Like Duncan's death made sense. Death, but um, Gurney the G- Gurney's death. I mean that one. Gurney and the other soldiers would be my other one because it's yeah. like you just see them charging out onto the battlefield. You expect this big battle. Nothing happens. Like, why not have Dave Bautista's character lead the charge versus Gurney and have all these fights and then have Gurney fight Dave Bautista's character yeah. and have this, you know, give us just like even a 30 second action scene and have one kill the other. I don't care which way it goes, but just have something. Nope. Just have them charge. And as soon as it happens, cut away and never show it again. Like, it's just, it was pointless. So red shirt would definitely be between the. Mm-hmm. The greatest fighter of the Ravagers or Gurney and the soldiers. Cause it was just wasted potential and Len- lens flare, the sandstorm. Yeah. That, that scene, just, Holy crap. the sandstorm was cool, but why did it have to last like 40 seconds? Oh and then God. the ship crashing. Why was there so long and no damage done to Paul or his mom in the ship? Like, like sand <sighs> soft, but, but crashing a ship at, I don't know, even 80 miles an hour would, would probably cause damage. But, uh, I mean, did they fall at two miles an hour? They just Did they just get set there? <laughs> so, yeah. The, lens flare, the filmmaking the sands, didn't bother you at all? 
the pacing or anything? Um, the pacing, okay? like I said, it was like a roller coaster. It was, yeah. it went very like started out interesting, got boring, have some climactic parts that were like, you know, ends of arcs that shouldn't have ended like the Duke and Josh Brolin. It's just like, yeah. it was like interesting, not interesting. That was just, it was just on and off every like 15 minutes. It just swapped from one to the other. And it's just, it was hard to keep attentions at points, but mm-hmm. overall I would give it a, it was a decent movie. Okay. is the best I could give. Hey, that's I good. I give it a decent. That's good. If you like, yeah. hey, no worries. I No judgments. Yep. It's it, the best I can do. It's just for me. I just, I don't know. Not your cup it's, of tea. I some, get it. Sometimes for me, books, it's hard to adapt books to the feature film. And I think if you're really loyal to the um, source, material. source material, sometimes that stuff just doesn't translate over. And I think for me, it just it was just too much, too much description. Understand? It's like it's like reading a token. Like I remember as a kid reading Tolkien, and I got bored because he would take like ten pages to describe a freaking mountain. And it's like, dude, I just don't care. Like, <laughs> I want to hear about the fighters. But and when like you're older, kids. that's actually like some people stuff they like do, it. Some people it's like actually good. It's like The Hobbit, same thing. It's yeah, it's has so much information. And it's so good, but the movies did a horrible job. It's like. Could have adapted it better, Amen but they wanted to make money. But <laughs> Dune, Dune, I can't say that they wanted to make money because, I mean, worldwide, I mean, they're not even at double what they put into it. No, they, put they in didn't. 165, they're at, they're putting 165 into it. They Three, made, they, they didn't even made. Yeah. Oh, what did they make? 336. Okay, on here. Oh, well, mine was as of Halloween. It, was, yeah. it wasn't even 300. So they doubled it. Okay. So they made So they made money. They probably broke even. <laughs> yeah, they, they made some money after paying actors and everyone like that. So I think, you know. They're they, going to make a second and third. They already it, said they would. Yeah, but. they're going to. And they'll give it to him. I I, I guarantee this film is going to win Academy Awards for visuals and, and well-deserved. Sound, probably. Sound. Oh, God. Unfortunately, Sean, it's going to yeah, win for sound. For sound and the track and all that just not my cup of tea eh, but eh. hey not everything for everyone yep, unfortunately right. it's just a third one for me where i'm like pass yep right, this is two all passes and one decent for me that's all right so we're getting we're getting there well kyle this has been a pleasure talking about dune we, we were gonna try and fit eternals in here yeah. but but it looks like it well just, it's just it it, there, there's so much emotions in for Dune. It's so just, much to unpack. Yeah, it's such it, a dense movie. You know, who knew such a such a slow paced caterpillar movie could have so much to talk about? Oh my god! <laughs> Smite me down, Lord. Hopefully, I never oh see it again. <laughs> but uh sweet so this is part three for dune with sean and kyle talking about things if you enjoyed hearing this uh like subscribe check us out on instagram facebook email us our website www.forcefitsci-fi.com have a podcast all that fun stuff twitter check us out and see what we can rate for you pleasure Until next time, Kyle and I will probably revisit and talk a little bit about Chicago sports finally and uh, Eternals if we get around to it. That'll be fun. All right. Till next time.